episode 86. The one where wise James crying. <laughs> the Theonauts podcast. <laughs> Just got dunked on. <laughs> so good. Christian news from around the globe. Mm. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. <sighs> It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you theocoologists. Or wait a minute, theocheologists out there? The all, yeah, theocheologists. Like Theo, theocheologists. Like archaeologists. I know exactly what you're saying. I'm, just I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. The baddest of them all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and together we are the, the Theonauts. Yeah, okay. so man, <clears throat> all our pre-show discussion bleeding into the show. I know, sorry. Because we've been jamming to <laughs> the fresh sounds of Froggy Fresh. Froggy Fresh. <laughs> A.K.A. Krispy Kreme. <laughs> And the, Moneymaker Mike. <laughs> the Alabama r- rapper. Yeah. Go check him out. He's great. He's the baddest of them all. He is. <laughs> if you ain't about money, he don't mess with y'all. <laughs> all right, anyways. So how are you doing, David? Oh, man. I am recovering from... Junk? <sighs> junk. So pardon my hacking and my gravelly voice. Mm, I can probably do a real good swing blade. <laughs> swing blade right now? That's awesome. I reckon. <clears throat> I had a kid ask me today to do an Amish uh, accent. How, yeah, an Amish accent because he walked in with an Amish hat. So. <laughs> how did that go? We're going to get in the buggy now. <laughs> we're going to go and make some Amish pies. And then we're going to sell them at the market. That sounds kind of Irish. Uh, no. <laughs> this is Irish. <laughs> What are you talking about? I know exactly how to do that Irish voice. That's about it. Yeah, you know, we haven't done voices in a while. No, we haven't. We uh, got reprimanded. Yeah, hard, like, <laughs> hardcore for it. Well, I so. would say it's hardcore. <laughs> we haven't done a mini. We almost got fired. We haven't done a mini soda in a while either. <laughs> no, we haven't. You need to get on that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> in my spare time. That's right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Spare time is a joke here. Oh, the yeah. Okay, so anyway, <clears throat> you're talking about things that happened this week. I had a funny thing happen today. I already told you, but I'm going to tell you again because we're on the air. Sure. <laughs> That's the way usually so, this works. I love this. Okay, <laughs> so <clears throat> as a software engineer, I'm down at a client's office today in, uh-huh. in downtown Dallas. Right. Um, now, <clears throat> we ha- I have a, a programmer who was there with me. And uh, we were standing at the window looking out onto the mayhem of downtown Dallas. Sure. Now, <clears throat> right outside my building is a, uh, is a parking lot, and okay. a huge one, okay? $6 a day, park there, whatever. And it's always a circus. So we were just sitting there watching because every spot in the parking lot was full. Every single one of them. And this was a big parking lot. Yeah. But cars and trucks are still pulling into the parking lot all the time. They all make the rounds looking for empty spots. And some of them think, okay, I'll go through again. And 
<laughs> whatever. And then, just in case right, somebody just in case came I missed out one in the or last someone five left. seconds, yeah. <clears throat> and then others just kind of, you know, just sure. leave. Well, we were sitting there, and um, and Brent, my programmer there with me, says, uh, you think this is what God sees when he looks down on us? <laughs> <laughs> Bolt of lightning struck your brain, yes, right? Yeah, so it's like, whoa, there's a life lesson here. <laughs> That's right. So we start watching the people yeah. and watch what they do, and it is hilarious. I was like, <laughs> you could waste your entire day doing this. Because what happens is... Uh, it, it's like, okay, for one, there is a parking lot four blocks down. Right. Okay, that's it means you have to walk, but it's four blocks down, and it's $2 a day, and it's never full. Right. Okay, so you can go four blocks down and park and walk. But no, these people drive around aimlessly looking for empty sure. parking lots and or parking spaces. So anyway, we watched this one. For, first off, I showed you the picture. I took pictures of this. Oh, it yeah, great. it was great. <clears throat> okay, so there's a truck parked right behind, like not in a parking spot, but in the in the, the lot blocking three cars. Right. Like he just stopped there and left He's his... He's like, I'm done. Left his truck there. This is where I'm parking. Okay, and it's like, so if those three people need to get out... They're not getting out. Oh, well. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay. <clears throat> so I'm... Casting judgment from on high. Right. Of <laughs> right? course I'm, you are. I'm looking at this. Okay, so then we, I see another guy in a truck pull up right behind that one. I'm thinking, he's sur- surely he is not going to park right there right. and block in three more cars. <laughs> the guy gets out and on foot walks the entire parking lot on foot looking for a spot. Oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking, even if you found one, by the time you got back to your truck... As many people are circling this lot, you're not gonna get <laughs> you're not gonna get there in time. Right. So anyway, he wanders this thing. I know it had to be five minutes that he wandered around the lot. Wow. Finally got back in his truck and went and made a parking spot. <laughs> parked on on the yellow line, right. like on the very end of <clears throat> where he could barely fit. The car that he parked next to would not be able to open their door. <laughs> And I'm thinking, okay, for the time you wasted doing this, you right. could have saved yourself $4 and parked down the street right. and walked. But no. Okay, so then the last one that I thought was funny was there was one place that a lot of people thought was a parking spot, uh-huh. but it's not. They would pull up and it then... It looks just like one, yeah. But then they would realize, no, because if I stop here, I'm going to be blocking three vehicles in. Right. Okay. Well, I watched several people go in and out of that parking, that so-called parking space. Finally, a guy pulls up, stops. Okay, now this is one of these parking places where you have to go either to the kiosk, type in your parking lot Code. number, yeah, and then pay with a credit card, or you go pay the attendant who's walking around the place. Right. No, this guy pulls up in that place that's not a parking spot, stops, blocking in three vehicles, <laughs> Gets out of his car and runs out of the parking lot across the street, jaywalks across the street to the bank, across the street. And I'm like, what? That What just happened? And I'm thinking. Smooth criminal right there. It's, it's just like God looking down. You know, he's looking at us and thinking, did, you, did he really just really? do did that? Did you just do that? 
<laughs> What's the what is you? wrong with you? Oh man. Yeah. So anyway, that's great. That was what, my a, little... what a wonderful life lesson. <laughs> God, God let you see through his eyes a little bit today. Yeah. And, uh, uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm one, I'm the guy wandering around the parking lot. Right. I right. mean, I know that. I mean, well, it's like I'm, a... <laughs> I'm usually the guy jumping out and running across the street. <laughs> <laughs> Do I really have to obey that rule? <laughs> Nah. Oh man! Anyways, <clears throat> that's great. So uh, he learned something. Yeah, we all learned something. <laughs> Are we ready to jump into this? Uh, yeah, into this topic of ours. Let's see if we can find it. All right. Hold on, waiting. <laughs> We're going for a wide. <laughs> that's my favorite ending line ever. <laughs> Go for a wide. <laughs> Hold on, waiting. We go for a wide. Okay, short round. <laughs> Isn't it short round? Short round, yeah, yes. Short round. I love that. <laughs> oh, man. So, yes, we decided to pull out the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right. Music. Be- because we're it's rating for the Lost Ark. It's very fitting for this, this topic. Yeah. The Ark of the Covenant. And um, such an interesting... Such an interesting topic. <laughs> I really think, I'm, you know, this this uh, this thing played such a significant role. Yes, in the lives of the Israelites. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was God's presence in their camp, right? It was God's yeah. presence in in their com- in their midst. Yes. And where is it today? In fact, they often refer to it as. God's presence, or, or right, and uh, so yeah. For well, for a second, let's talk about the Ark of the Covenant itself and some of the things that have happened <clears throat> around it. They they were commanded to build this thing, right? It was built by two spe- two specifications laid out very plainly uh, to them, yeah. And it basically, in the words of um, <laughs> of uh, the guys from Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's a radio to God. So good. Yeah. So, so, um, <clears throat> so anyway, you have this Ark of the Covenant. It uh, it originally was built and traveled with the children of Israel right. in the uh, in the the wilderness there in the tabernacle. Right, and it always went before uh, the the company in their in their wars. Uh, it was there at Jericho, um, and we talked about that a little bit last time. Um, so. It's kind of mysterious. We have it's actually two artifacts, not just one. Right. You have the ark itself, which is a gold box. Well, it's a wooden box inlaid, inlaid with gold. Inlaid with gold. <clears throat> with uh, two eyelets or four eyelets. Right. With staffs that run through the eyelets so that the Levites can carry it. Now, the Levites were the only ones allowed to carry it. Right. And. In Leviticus, you had this huge thing that they went through whenever they whenever they named the priests. Uh, of course, the first high priest was Aaron, Aaron, mm-hmm. and his two sons became uh, priests, Nadab and Abihu, who uh, they went through this huge eight days uh, uh, sanctification process, where it was all this weird stuff. They had to 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 stay in the temple. And they had to like uh, make sacrifices. They had to put blood on their ear. Right. <laughs> there was all this this stuff to sanctify them, to cleanse them, so that they could be considered holy enough to be in the presence of God. Right. And uh, actually perform the rituals 
of the high priest. So once a year on the Day of Atonement, these guys were allowed to go in to the the ark itself. I mean, not the ark itself, the the uh, holy place right. <clears throat> itself. And at that point, uh, sprinkle blood onto... From the sacrificial lamb. Right. Onto the mercy, mercy seat. seat. Now, the That's mercy right. seat is actually always spoken about like it separately, but it is the lid... Of the Ark of the Covenant. Of the Ark of the Covenant. Right. So you have this this mercy seat is a, just a, uh, a golden lid platform with golden cherubim right. on it with their wings touching. Yeah. I have a, I pulled up Exodus 37, um, which is basically the, the directions of what to, you know, the specs yes. of the Ark. So this is what it says. Um, and this is, of course, when, when God is giving them... Uh, the directions for his his tabernacle and everything else, yes. and then he gives them the directions for the ark. He says, "Next, uh, Bazael <laughs> made the ark of acacia wood, a sacred chest, forty five inches long, twenty seven inches wide, and twenty seven inches high. He overlaid it inside and outside with pure gold, and he ran a molding of gold all around it." He cast four golden rings and attached them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Then he made poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry it. Then he made the ark cover. This is the mercy seat. Yes. It says <coughs> the place of atonement or the mercy seat um, from pure gold. It was 45 inches long, 27 inches high or wide. Not high, wide. He made two cherubim from hammered gold and placed them on the two ends of the atonement cover. He molded the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all of one piece of gold. The cherubim faced each other and looked down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they protected it. Yes. Okay. Um, Now, what is inside... The Ark of the Covenant. There is um, three items on yes. the inside. There is the law, the the broken pieces of the tablet itself that Moses carried down, brought down. Mm-hmm. There is a jar of manna, right? And there is a staff uh, that Aaron Aaron draw. had that that actually budded, right, with the almond bud, and so that. <clears throat> That, and you can find that in Hebrews 9, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Which, by the way, and this is a different study altogether, but those are symbols of Christ. And once you, three, that's the Holy Trinity number. Right. <clears throat> Prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. All of that ties in. So, uh, but anyway, all this cool stuff happening with this Ark of the Covenant. And um, the, the thing is, once it was placed in the Holy of Holies, and which is the inner. Inner sanctuary, sanctum in 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 inside. <laughs> yes. So you have the, the tabernacle, you have the outer court, you have the the holy place, and then you go through another veil, curtain. and you're in the holiest right of holies. And that place, the only the high priest could go into there. And the reason why was because God came to that place, yeah, and actually dwelt there in a physical form. And we don't know all the details of how and whatever. But it, that's often referred to as the Shekinah, yeah, the glory of God, which dwelt above the cherubim on. So the shining that came from there, right? 
<clears throat> there was also um, the smoke from the altar would change be- because when God was there present. Um, a lot of times, like there's references whenever this became the temple because the ark was then moved into the temple. Right. Um, that whenever Solomon consecrated it and gave it over to God, the temple filled with smoke. smoke. And that was like God coming into there and right. like dwelling there. So this was God's dwelling place. It's often referred to the mercy seat was God's seat upon the earth to be with us. Right. It was him with us before that was his dwelling. Before Christ was Emmanuel, that was Emmanuel. Right. So that was the closest thing. Now the difference there was it was unapproachable. And the and the reason why is because God is perfect. Is perfect, and He's he can't. Holy. He 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 can't be in the presence of evil without evil dying or right. evil being destroyed. So, <clears throat> so like if you came into His presence unclean, you died. Right. It comes right out and tells. It warns everybody about this. Don't come into my presence in an unclean state. You will die. And this is also another study. But the whole Nadab and Abihu thing. Both of those guys end up dying. Because they unconsecrated themselves when they brought in a coal from the camp instead of using the one that had been consecrated right. in the temple and made themselves unclean in the presence of God, and that's why they died. Yeah. Now, a lot of people believe it was because they worshipped wrong. They brought strange fire. Right. They, well, they did bring strange fire, but, but it was a strange fire. It wasn't, it wasn't their the... disobedience right. that caused their death. It was their uncleanliness yeah. that caused their death because the their success, uh, successors... The other two brothers of Aaron, they goofed up too. Right. Now, but their goof did not... Result in death. Did not result in death, and it did not result in them being unclean in the presence of God. They just failed to eat the sacrifice like they were told to before they left. Right. So they still made a mistake, but they didn't get struck down for it. Well, and you know, you have also references of uh, um, the ark being so holy you couldn't touch it, right? Right. So you have Uzzah. The whole story yes. of Uzzah, who's uh, with them whenever they're bringing the uh, <laughs> the ark back from the Philistine camp, yeah, right, yeah, and they put it on a wagon, which is not the way God wanted them to carry it, correct? Um, and they God intended from to carry it on the poles by the Levites, right? By Levites who had been consecrated, exactly, right? And uh, and so the the cart breaks and the the uh, ark is about to fall off, and mm-hmm. Uzzah puts his hand up to steady it, and he dies, and it's not because. Of anything other than Uzzah was unclean. Yes, he came into the ark. presence of God the minute he touched the ark. That's right, and he was not in a he was not in a clean state. Yeah. <clears throat> so once again, it wasn't about disobedience; it was about not being clean. Now, just for us, we can't we can't fall into the exact same uh, situation as Uzzah or. Nadab and Abihu. And the reason why is because we've been made clean by Christ. We are consecrated. <laughs> when the veil was torn, we that opened up the, right. the door that we could come into the presence of God through the holy through the cleansing of Christ. Right. So and, as, as long as we're cleansed by Christ, we we can't be in that situation that they were in. Yeah. And you bring up a an interesting question for me though. Something that I've always wondered, and I don't know, maybe you have an answer or somebody else out, out there has an answer. The veil was torn uh, the day Christ died. Mm-hmm. From top to bottom, it was written to, right? Symbolizing that now we could come boldly into the presence of God. Right. But where was the Ark of the Covenant at this point? 
that's kind of where we're where we're gonna right. One of the big questions that comes up, and and one of the things I <clears throat> wonder because of that an offshoot question is: Was it still the Holy of Holies without the Ark of the Covenant in it? <laughs> that is a good question. And what did the priests sprinkle blood on every year? Mm-hmm. Because they were still doing the the ritualistic sacrifice right, right. Uh, at the time of Christ. And they're probably just omitting that part. They, I guess so. <laughs> well, like we don't have anything to sprinkle it on, or you know, maybe they made a makeshift. I don't know what what they would have done. Yeah, because you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Anybody have a great answer for that? Maybe a Jewish historian. Yeah, call in. Let me know. But uh, anyways, yeah, where we're headed at is the fact that the Ark of the Covenant disappears. Yes. In the Old Testament, at Correct. a certain point, and we have no idea where it's at, and, it, and it's not like there's a story around it. No, it, it, the the Bible is just silent about it. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden it's talked about, and then all of a sudden it's not. And uh, so, some of the scriptures we'll look at show that it, it apparently at some point became very common knowledge that it wasn't there anymore. Right. I mean, everybody knew it wasn't there. And how amazing is that? Because it's again, it, we can't stress to you enough how how important. Uh, this this thing was to the to the Israelite narrative. Mm-hmm. I mean, they carried it out to <clears throat> battles, right? Yes, and uh, they uh, you know it was their symbol of God, right? So, so if we look at what the Bible does tell us about it, we we get things like okay, um, okay, it was in the wilderness. We got that right. It came across with Joshua into the into the into land. The promised land. Uh, it was still being used in a tabernacle at that point. All the way up until the point that that uh, that Israel got kings, right? Okay, so then the time of Saul, um, then you had David. David. Now during this time frame, the ark was stolen from the Israelites, right, by the Philistines. Philistines, and they put it in their tent. I love this. This story. did not go well with them. No. <laughs> They put it in their temple to Dagon, I believe. Yeah, Dagon, and, and uh, they, every day they went in and they found Dagon face down. Yeah, it would like fall, fall. And uh, but that wasn't the worst of it. They ended no. up with hemorrhoids. Yeah, which was awesome. <laughs> like the God chose that to yeah. be. Oh, I'm gonna hit him hard, man. I'm gonna hit him where it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and so they got plagued. And, right. <coughs> excuse me. And so they got plagued and. Um, <laughs> they realized that it was the ark that was that was the problem, and so they called <coughs> Israel. And they're like, "Hey, come get your infernal ark. We yeah. don't want it anymore." And they and they so they 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 made offerings of gold to right. represent the rats that, that caused the plagues and the hemorrhoids. That, yeah, and they sent it on the cart with these cows, right? And just said, "Okay, let it go, let it go," and it wandered into the right place, right. <coughs> This is where David picks it up. Yeah. This is where David goes and gets it, and the whole thing with Uzzah happens. Yeah. And they carry it back with the cart. This is also where the whole dancing in the streets thing happens. Right. He dances before the <coughs> Ark of the Covenant as they bring it back to the temple. Right. And uh, All become even more undignified than this. Yes, yes. And his wife has a issue with him being in the streets. Naked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think people make too much of that. Put word your clothes on, David. You're gonna <coughs> make all the women look. I think the, the the point. <laughs> yeah, did you see Michelangelo's statue? How yeah. cut this guy was. No, <laughs> no uh, I believe 
that actually what was happening was she was getting on to him for uncovering himself as a king, like right. not necessarily physically uncovering himself, but he was naked. You're supposed to be acting like a king. Right. He stripped himself of his royalty and right. was was down here with the peasants, and she found that distasteful. And uh, and he was like, you're missing the whole point. It's all about God. Right. And um, so anyway, then <laughs> it stays there, and uh, David wants to build a temple for it. God says, no, not going to happen. Your son's going to have to do that. Right. And so Solomon builds this huge temple uh, and puts the Ark of the Covenant in it, consecrate, consecrates it. Okay, so from then on, that's where things start getting uh, loosey-goosey. Right. So the Ark of the Covenant is in Solomon's temple. Uh, there is a huge civil war of sorts. The kingdom is divided. Uh, part of it, after Solomon dies, part of it moves north with um, Jeroboam, and part of it stays in Judah uh, with Rehoboam. Right. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> At this point, we have very little about the ark mentioned. That's right. So here's let's let's talk about what happened to it, and <laughs> and I'm I'm gonna much like last week. I've got a theory that I'm gonna kind of lean on, but but sure, it sure. could be anything. That once again, this is not my view of the world is the only way it can be. It's just I found this study cool, right? <laughs> and so whatever I find cool is the one I'm gonna talk about. So good um, to me. okay, so the possibilities of of where did it disappear and when and where did it go? Um, the theories are all over the map. There's all kinds of Jewish theories. There's all kinds of of other theories. There are Arabic theories. There are Ethiopian theories. There, it's just everywhere. Okay, but in 926 BC, King Rehoboam, mm-hmm. this is a successor to Solomon. Saul Israel looted by Shishak of Egypt. Okay. And in 1 Kings 14, where it talks about this, in verse 25, it says, In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away all the shields of gold that Solomon had made. Okay. Right. So. The guy's raiding the temple, and he's taking golden things. He's ta- It says he took everything. Well, that could be not necessarily all-encompassing in in the original language, but uh, but 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 could just be a hyperbole, as you know, of, of what it, it was happening. Um, so that's in 926 BC. Now, about 400 years or 300 years later, <clears throat> in 598 BC is when Nebuchadnezzar invades Israel. Okay, so we know all we we pretty much know this story. This is kind of the downfall of Israel. This is when Israel collapses. They were taken captive by Babylon and Daniel and company were led away. There's all these these refugees that were taken to Babylon and um and Israel kept revolting. And the the prophets Jeremiah and company kept telling them, "Stop it." Stop! Stop doing this. This is this is going to end badly for you. And it, sure enough, it did. Nebuchadnezzar raided the place uh, twice. Right. The second time, pretty much destroying everything. Okay, so that's in Second Kings twenty four, uh, verses ten through thirteen. It says, at that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. 
And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to the city while his servants were besieging it. And uh, Jehoiachin, the king of Judah, gave himself up to the king of Babylon, himself and his mother and his servants and his officials and his palace officials. And the king of Babylon took him prisoner in the eighth year of his reign and carried off all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold in the temple of the Lord, which Solomon, king of Israel, had made as the Lord had foretold. Okay, so again, we have a very similar um, <clears throat> thing happening where, um, where an outside force comes in, in, invades, takes the temple treasures, and basically robs the place. Right. Now, some of the things it said were there since Solomon. Okay, well, so that kind of refutes uh, what happened there in 1 Kings. When Shishak, so when it says they took everything, was probably a hyperbole. Basically, they they, saw, they, they took right, it all. They took it all. They took it all. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was more that than than there was nothing physically left. Uh, so there, obviously, some things were were left and taken. Now, so the theories are it either happened at King Rehoboam at Shishak, or it happened at Nebuchadnezzar, or many times in between, because there's several places where Judah actually gets punished by God by the neighboring right. <laughs> countries. Uh, so anytime in between there, there could have been some weirdness going on. Um, we know, here's what we do know, that by the rebuilding of the temple, which happened in 517 to 515 BC, this is in the time of Nehemiah and Ezra, by that time, it was mentioning it was it was missing missing yeah with no mention of it at all okay which makes us infer that its disappearance had already been an accepted fact the fact that Nez, that Ezra and Nehemiah aren't looking for it they're not they're not there's nothing in the text to say where is the holy ark of the lord i mean there's no talk about it right so if nebuchadnezzar had taken it it would have been in babylon proper somewhere sure which Persia was now in control. Persia would have inherited it. Right. So it would have been where the Israelites would have at least known where it was. and Where the rest of that treasure was. You know they would have pleaded for it. Right. Because we know those temple treasures were there in the time of of Belshazzar, whenever Babylon fell to the the Persians, because he brings the temple treasures out and drinks out of them and like parties with them. (laughs) <laughs> That's wow. when the handwriting on the wall happens. <clears throat> so we know that it was missing and probably already assumed gone for good by right. the Israelites in 517. Uh, so the question is, we've narrowed this down. Where exactly could it have gone? Okay. Um, now the Talmud actually says yeah. that it was buried in its own place its secret chamber by Josiah in 609 BC. Now that's a decade before Nebuchadnezzar raided it. Right. Okay. Solomon commanded it. Right. So this supports rumors that it was stashed in the catacombs also called the Well of Souls uh beneath Jerusalem under the Temple Mount. Correct. Yeah. Uh so now, this is, um, you might recognize this term, well of souls. 
if you're a fan of the Ra- of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, the Indiana Jones movie. I don't remember that. Movie, Explain. Uh, the Well of Souls was in the movie in Egypt uh, it, at a place called Tanis, which is interesting, that name, because we'll, we'll come to, to something very similar here mm-hmm. in a little bit. So... Uh, there's a place in, 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 according to this legend that the Raiders of the Lost Ark storyline follows, the Ark was carried by Shishak to Egypt and, uh, and, and buried in a place uh, called Tanis in the Well of the Souls. Right. Okay, and that's where Indiana jo- Jones excavates. Fine. They're digging in the wrong place, you yeah. know, that whole scene. Sure. And he goes down into the Well of Souls with a rope. And does the whole? Um, uh, oh no, no, that's the map room. But then gets to the well of. It tells right, him where the right, well right, of souls right. is, which is where the Ark of the Covenant is, with the place with the snakes. Yeah, <laughs> I hate snakes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, this term "well of souls" is not new to the movie. They used that. The, the well of souls is was often referred to as the catacombs where the Ark of the Covenant was buried. Uh, this comes from the Talmud, and. Uh, and, and that's why a lot of Jewish theories are that it is buried in the Temple Mount. Right. Um, and there have been, over the years, many excavations. Here's the problem. The Jews don't own the Temple Mount. Right. The Muslims do. The Muslims do. And they have since the 7th century. And they're never going to let them. <laughs> okay. So, so, okay, you had in the 7th century, you had Islam, you had uh, the Turkish... Uh, occupation, all this stuff began to happen. The temp that t- the mosque was built, right? The Dome of the Rock was built way back. So you have a uh, inaccessible place to dig. So it hasn't stopped people though. There have been because right now, well, since 1967, the the Jews pretty much own the entire outlying part of of Jerusalem, uh, but they still are not allowed to go onto the Temple Mount. That's right. So what they've been doing is they've been digging or excavating the wall and that sort of thing. You know, have the, Be- the Wailing Wall yeah. is is there. That's an exposed part of the original right, that's Temple the, Wall. Yeah, that's the only thing they can go to to worship anymore is the Wailing Wall. Right. Well, that's that has expanded now. It's not the only place anymore. Really? Because they've dug all along... Uh, underneath the Muslim the the Muslim quarter. Oh, really? And it's, oh, it's a huge problem, but because uh, the Muslims don't want that. Sure, obviously. Well, they not only do they control the Temple Mount, but on top of the Temple Mount, they have built the Dome on the Rock. Correct. Right, which is to to a Muslim, this is a holy place because yeah, it's this like is, the second holiest place on the on the earth, or right? Something. Besides Mecca, right? Because <laughs> this is where Muhammad they they claim ascended into heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for and his them, footprint actually is supposed to exist. Right, that's where he landed. Exactly, when he came back down. <laughs> exactly. So the uh, they they worship there, and they you know. So, anyways. It's a really interesting thing that this has been going on for for eons, but the rabbis claim. Uh, okay, so I'm reading a right now. I'm reading an article from the Telegraph, which is a, a news source, a really good one. Um, the Rabbi, the Lost Ark, and the Future Temple Mount. This is really good. So listen to this real quick. <laughs> okay, Rabbi Kaim 
uh, Richmond shows me into a darkened room, strokes his beard, and pulls out his smartphone. He has a specially designed app that works the lights. The room illuminates. He taps the screen again, and a heavy curtain slides open. There, resplendent uh, in brilliant gold, resplendent in brilliant gold, and rather smaller than I expected, the, lies the Ark of the Covenant. This isn't the real Lost Ark, he says. The real one is hidden about a kilometer from here in underground (laughs) chambers created during the time of Solomon. I looked at him (laughs) askance. He said, it's true. (laughs) Jews Jews have an unbroken chain of recorded information passing down from generation to generation, which indicates its exact location. There's a big fascination with finding the Lost Ark, but nobody asked a Jew. We have known where it is for thousands of years. It could be reached if we excavated Temple Mount, but that area is controlled by Muslims. Correct. They there is a group called uh, uh, what's it called the uh, the Temple Society. Yes, I've actually been there. Oh really? Yeah, it's in the Jewish quarter. Yeah, uh, the, and we actually got to see while we when we went there, we got to see all these the, the showbread table that yeah. they've made. They're they're planning to, to uh, a new temple, right? Right, and that's, that's their goal, right? And they're, and they're planning. The thing is, you need the Ark of the Covenant to that's make that right. complete. But they've got all this other stuff already built. It's already all the 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 the, the altar of incense. That right. uh, they've got all that stuff. It's really cool. Sure. Um, and so the the place has got um, what do you call it uh, the 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 scribes that are writing the sefer torahs right. by hand. I mean they're they're doing it by the book. Okay? Their focus is to make it just like it was, and it's called the Temple Institute. That's yes, what it's yes. So anyway, uh, yes, these guys uh, they claim they, to they know claim exactly to know exactly where it's it at. Yeah, but what the the thing he's referring to is the Talmud. That is a historical record right. of it's in the Talmud from one person down to the, from the from another. Right. So, uh, so it says it's there. However, there have been attempts by other Jewish groups who supposedly knew exactly where it was and have tunneled under the Temple Mount looking for it. Now, this has happened more than once, and this is caught. They, no one's ever found anything. They have gotten into the underground tunnels. We've actually right. been in some of those underground tunnels really? whenever we were there. Yeah, uh, there's actually one place along the temple wall that has been excavated that now, like when you go down in there, there are Orthodox Jews who are in the tunnel praying because it's the closest place to the ho- to the ark. Wow. So they're down there like with their hands against the wall, praying and stuff all day long. And uh, That's amazing. Yeah, so, so anyway... People have been digging down there, and it's always caused a problem. Sure, of uh, course. It actually caused riots a few years ago uh, because people are worshiping on the Temple Mount. These Muslims t- are worshiping there, and they hear jackhammers <laughs> going on underneath. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so they lose it. And the next thing you know, they're throwing things and throwing stones. And, right. and I mean, it's just this huge thing. Um, so anyway, but nothing has ever come of physically of this it's all been hearsay word of mouth like the guy said right a history of of jewish rabbis who have passed it along um another theory is comes directly from a jewish uh writing that at one point has well and to some people even today holds place in holy canon of right. scripture, maccabees and that is maccabees maccabees is part of what we now call the apocrypha right uh, the Jews never held it as holy text, uh, unlike 
you know, the Catholics kind of hold it as holy text, mainly because Jerome included it whenever he compiled right. his version of the of the Latin Vulgate in the, right. the Bible. But he didn't even claim it was scripture. Right. He just included it for historical reference and 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 whatever. But it's still a great historical text. Oh, it's text a great historical text. And it and it definitely is true to the storyline of what has happened. happened. It tells yeah. the story of the of revolt the of the Maccabees that happens uh, in the Hasmonean right. time period between the Old and New Testament. Right, which is why <clears throat> Jews today do... Uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Right. Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah, it comes from that... It, and you can read all about that story in the Maccabees. Right. It's a really cool story. Yeah. Um, so anyway, in Second Maccabees, it actually says that Jeremiah stashed it in Mount Nebo. I didn't, though. You didn't? No. Well, just blew my theory. It's under the t- Temple Mount, so... <laughs> Oh, sorry. Okay. So, <laughs> wrong Jeremiah. So, once again, this is a Jewish resource that right. is claiming where the Ark of the Covenant is and that it was buried by Jeremiah, which is in the right time frame, by the way. Yeah, it this, fits. This goes back into right before that missing hole that we were talking about there yep. between um, um, King Rehoboam and Nebuchadnezzar. Right. He fits into that. Matter of fact, he's right in, that, in line with Nebuchadnezzar's time frame. And um, it, it, it also makes sense. Uh, because Jeremiah was doing what? Prophesying doom and destruction. <laughs> right, so obviously, right. I mean, if anybody's going to stash that thing, it's going to be Jeremiah during right. that time, which makes total sense. So um, it is claimed to have been buried in Mount Nebo, which is the mountain, by the way, that Moses died upon. Right. He was taken to to see the land of Israel. He, he actually was buried in the valley um, somewhere. No one knows. Yeah. Um, so anyway... It's quite a ways away yeah. from the Temple Mount. It's across the Jordan River back into what is now present-day Jordan. Um, but what's funny is there have been many excursions to sure. find it, but based on the Maccabees. People have dug. There's even been these reports. You know, so I don't know if you ever have read some of these things where people have found the Ark of... Uh, <laughs> like National Enquirer? Well, like Noah's Ark. <laughs> Like, oh, oh yeah. we found Noah's Ark. We walked in it, but, yeah. but there's no pictures. Right. They never went back. Look at the they, outline. They never they never had any evidence sure. at all. Sure, sure. Uh, so this type of thing, well, there was one of these t- things where the guy found the Ark of the Covenant, but he didn't he didn't take it. He didn't take pictures. Right. He didn't nothing. And no one's been able to find it since. He never went back. Right. Uh, so anyway, there's it's this completely unsubstantiated. It just comes from Maccabees. Right. Okay, then there's an Ethiopian claim that the Ark was secreted to an island in Lake Tana. A Tana is in, okay, which is, by the way, you got Ark of the, you got Raiders of the Lost Ark, right. Tanis, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so so they're combining mythologies together, to, or legends together, to right. kind of come up with their story. So um, Ethiopians claim that the Ark was secreted to an island in, in Lake Tana, which is at, uh, it's one of the uh, the tributaries of the uh, of the Nile. So it hits the, a tributary from the Nile hits Lake Tana uh-huh. in uh, Ethiopia, or at that time Kush. That's what it was called. Okay, okay this the, this claim is that it that that happened in 470 BC. Okay, so this would have been. Um, a strange time frame because this is after Nebuchadnezzar. So really strange. Why 
Or why does this legend not fit into that window that we were huh. looking at earlier? And so um, here's so that's why this theory that I'm going to look at is going to be very intriguing here okay. on this. Okay, so let's look at the clues. Uh, I, I was actually reading a study by an archaeologist slash crime scene investigator by the name of Robert Cornuke. Now, if you've never read his books, dude, go get them. Okay. This they're fun reads. He's like a he is like a real life modern day Indiana Jones. Really, he's <laughs> really cool. Um, the first book of his I read was called The Lost Shipwreck of Paul, and without a without a doubt, the dude found uh, the anchors of the ship that that Paul shipwrecked on. Really? Yes. It's, it's Who is like, this guy again? His name's Robert Cornuke. Okay. They have even taken the. They even have these those anchors on display in uh, Malta, yeah, which is the the, the island there. Um, they, they even have it on display, and, and and the government has recognized it, and all this stuff. It's not not just the Catholics or another religious group. This is like um, like the government has declared these as historic relics of. Uh, of Paul's shipwreck. Okay. Okay. So anyway, that was the first book I read, and I was really like blown away by his process because right. it was so methodical and it was so detailed. And so I saw that he had written a book about the Ark of the Covenant, so I picked it up. And uh, although I can give away the end of the book, he doesn't actually lay eyes on the Ark of the Covenant or anything like that. But right. he does all this investigation. And I think he's on to something here. Okay, so one of the things he does, because he was a crime scene investigator, and uh, he, or a police investigator, he always wants to, to find things based on real-life clues, like not just legends or not just myths. But let's take things, solid things. Okay, so if we're seeing this as a biblical thing, right. he's like, let's start with the Bible, and let's see where the Bible leads us. Um and uh, so anyway, I'm going to go through some of the verses that he pulled out that led him where he went. Okay. Okay, first off, 2 Kings 21, uh, verse 2 through 7. <clears throat> now, it's talking about King Manasseh at this point. Now, Manasseh was an evil king. He was the son of Hezekiah. He was the grandson of Josiah. Okay, so he is in... Judah's downfall, when Judah is is going down that slippery slope after the kingdom's divided, he is probably the worst king in record. Like, this guy is defiling the temple. I mean, okay, let's listen to what, to, to, to what he did. And, he, and by the way, he falls in between this Rehoboam and Nebuchadnezzar window that Okay. That we were talking about before. Sure. Okay, so 2 Kings 21, verse beginning in verse uh, 2. It says, And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done, and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served mm. them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem will I put my name. And he built altars 
for all of the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord, and he burned his son as an offering and used fortune-telling and omens and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger, and carved and the carved image of Asherah that he had made, he set in the house of of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. Hmm. Okay, verse. I'm going to jump down to verse 16. <clears throat> Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, beside the sin that he made Judah to sin, so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, so this guy's a bad guy. Right. Not much of a king of of God's kingdom, right? I mean, this guy is is like way out there. Killing his own son? I mean, as a sacrifice, he was way off the deep end. Sure. And he was doing this in the temple. Wow. Okay. So now this is where it starts to give us some clues. Okay, when a king starts to do junk in the temple, he's not supposed to. What do you think the reaction of the priest is? To get the good stuff out of the temple? I don't know. <laughs> well, we have an example. Okay. Second Chronicles 26, verse 16 and 21. I'm not going to read it because it's a, f- a full-on story, but <clears throat> King Uzziah at that time. Okay. He did good inside of God. He was a, a decent guy, but he was impatient, and he wanted to go off to this battle, and he he wanted the blessing. And so he went to the temple to offer his own incense and to do his own thing. And the priest went, uh-uh, not happening. And he actually got struck with leprosy because oh, wow. of it. Uh, so, <clears throat> so anyway, the priests don't take well to kings jumping in their business. Right. Okay. Here you have Manasseh jumping into the priest business and setting up all these pagan things in the house of God and making pagan sacrifices there. Um, Now, let's try and find the ark in the middle of all this. Now, remember, Manasseh's father is Hezekiah. Okay? Yeah. So let's look at something in 2 Kings 19, verse 15. It says, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Okay, so he addresses God as being enthroned above above the the cherubim. That's a reference to the ark. Yeah. That's an indirect reference to the ark. Right. So he's praying before the ark. The ark. He's actually, or at least he's he's praying with the ark in there mind, in yeah. mind, which which we can infer then that the ark may have been in the temple at the time of Hezekiah. Okay, this rules out Shishak because Shishak happened during the time of Rehoboam, right before, before Hezekiah. Yeah. <clears throat> so huh. Raiders of the Lost Ark missed it. Right, Shishak didn't take it to Egypt, but. Egypt is still going to play into this. Okay. That I think is, is really cool. Okay, so so we have evidence that may suggest 
that the ark was there during the time of Hezekiah. Okay, so Hezekiah has this son, Manasseh. Manasseh goes crazy doing things in the temple he's not supposed to do. Right. Um, Then Manasseh dies. We have a short-lived reign of his son, and then Josiah. Josiah takes the throne at age eight. Yeah, and he's the, he's he's one of the greatest kings of this. Yes, world. he's an upswing. Yeah, and uh, of of this downfall that Judah was going through. So Josiah is actually a very noble kid, right? And he wants to do right by God. Yeah, and so he restores the temple, right? Right. So there you have this big story that often we hear in sermons about mm-hmm. Josiah. Finding the book of the law. And he reads it. And it's like, this has been missing for generations or whatever. No one has has followed it, and, and right. he's, he's, he doesn't know what it's about. So he's reading it and realizing, oh, we're not doing things right. And so he starts setting things in order. And he becomes a reformer. Right. So he starts reforming Judaism right. back to what it was supposed to be yeah. in the time of Solomon. Um, so in doing this, uh, during this practice... Let's read this particular verse in 2 Chronicles 35 and 3. (laughs) This is good. I like where you're going here. And he said to the Levites who taught all Israel. Now, the Levites were the priests, right? Right. And he said to the Levites who taught all Israel and who were holy to the Lord, quote, put the holy ark in the house that Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. You need not carry it on your shoulders. Now... Serve the Lord your God and his people. Okay, so pick up a couple of things there. One, the ark is not in the house of the Lord. Right. It's, it's not being, quote-unquote, carried by the Levites. Yeah, it's apparently, this be, point. it's apparently being shouldered by them, which was a legit thing. Right. They, that, they were the ones allowed to carry it on the, on the stabs. Right. So apparently they were just carrying it around. It wasn't in the temple, uh, which also explains... Um, <clears throat> you know, like if if Shishak had taken it, why didn't the same thing that happened to the Philistines happen to Shishak? Right. You know, uh, we don't read anything like that. So, but we have these priests that that apparently have possession of it. Okay. Now the now we just talked about the priests didn't take kindly to kings coming into their <laughs> right. temple and screwing around and and messing things up. Right. So. If we imply from these two scriptures put together, it sounds like the Levites took the the ark out of the temple during Manasseh's reign because of what he was doing, because they didn't want it defiled. And so they took it with them. Uh, Now you have Josiah saying, bring it back. I'm trying to restore things. I'm trying to set things. Now, But there's another thing that I get from this. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. At the end, does this imply they weren't, or does it imply that they weren't in the eyes of Josiah serving the Lord? So it sounds huh. like there was enmity here, right, between the Levites and Josiah. Yeah, we have no record of them answering him. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't say. Um, it, it doesn't say that they complied. It doesn't tell us that. We can infer that they did, but. But that would be pure speculation. We have nothing in Scripture that tells us they did what he asked. But it does sound like he was having some issues with them in in trying to tell them, hey, you're not obeying God. God's right. telling me to rebuild this stuff, and you're not, you're not obeying him. <clears throat> so Josiah was focused on rebuilding and reforming. And yes, he was a good king because of this, but at the same time, 
he may have been overstepping his bounds because God had prophesied that uh, the ark would be removed. That, that the ark would be uh, that would have a later purpose. Oh, oh okay. <clears throat> and and we'll t- we might talk a little bit about that later on. But are you talking revelations here? Yes. If okay. you're an end time guy, uh, this when the ark gets yeah, there's placed all, back in the temple. Yes, there's all kinds of stuff that you can go to sure. on this. Uh, but anyway, so Josiah's focused on rebuilding and reforming. Um, but there's another weird thing that happens in, in 2 Chronicles 35, like the same chapter we were just reading in, after he tells them, bring the ark back. He some, for some reason, he goes to fight King Necho of Egypt. Now, Necho is not bothering Israel. Okay. Necho is in the middle of his own battle. And he's deal- and but Israel, for whatever reason, we don't get a good clear understanding of it in Scripture. For some reason, Josiah jumps into the battle. So and he gets killed over it. Oh, really? Yeah. <clears throat> so okay, okay. Second Chronicles thirty-five, beginning in verse twenty. Yeah. It says, after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, what's he preparing it for? The ark. <laughs> Once again, we're just uh, implying. Right. But what's he, he says he's preparing the temple. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, what else would he be preparing it for other than to return to, to the sacrifice? Yeah, and here he is telling the, the Levites, bring the ark back. Right. Okay, so it says, after all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates. So this is a long ways away. And Josiah went out to meet him. But he sent envoys to him saying, What have we to do with each other, king of Judah? I am not coming against you this day, but against the house with which I am at war. And God has commanded me to hurry. Cease opposing God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah did not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God, but came to fight in the plains of Megiddo. And the archers shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in his second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem, and he died and was buried in the tombs of his father. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Okay, weird. <laughs> yeah, why would he even go out? So, Other, wow. why is he going to war with the Egyptian? And the Egyptian is saying, is prophesying. He says, God's with me. God says, if you come against me, you might die. <laughs> Josiah doesn't listen. And he gets killed. The Bible comes right out and says that it he, was God that he was did not yeah. listen to Necho from the mouth of God. So the writer of Chronicles here wow. is confirming that, that Necho was giving him the very word of God. Now, how would a, an Egyptian king know no, what God said, what or even talk, God yeah. was saying? It, I mean, he obviously was speaking with God because God gave him that message. Right. So where was God in this time frame? It, on the mercy seat. Right. That's how he communicated with the prophets. Right. Was through th- this. Okay, so so here's the theory. The theory is that during Manasseh's rule, 
while he was defiling the temple, the Levites hauled it out of there. Yeah. They took the they took it away and they went down to Egypt. Kind of close to the Raiders of the Lost Ark thing, but not quite. They took it to Egypt. Okay, and stayed there. Josiah starts rebuilding things and says, "Bring it back, guys. We're ready to rebuild the temple." But for whatever reason, the Israelites are like, "No, no, we're not getting that from God. God is prophesying that there's a different purpose right. going on here." So they refuse. So they're in Egypt, and so apparently they're talking to the king of Egypt and telling him what God is saying through this mechanism. Right. Necho goes to war at the Euphrates and ends up going into war with Israel over something that he is like saying, God's telling me what I've got to do. And Okay, right. so, so the idea is that it maybe went down to, uh, to Egypt with these guys. With Necho. Okay, so All right. now here's an interesting thing. There's a guy who wrote a book called The Sign and the Seal, a guy by the name of Graham Hancock, and he was obsessed with this Ark of the Covenant theory and where the ark was. Okay, he discovered that a colony of Hebrews once lived on an Egyptian island called Elephantine. Elephantine Island is in the Nile River. So it's this little bitty island. Okay. And they were there during the reign of Manasseh. So it dates to the same time frame that Manasseh was causing havoc. Right. So why are these Hebrews on Elephantine Island during this? <laughs> okay, remnants of a replica of Solomon's temple have been discovered on that island. Uh, ruins of it. There has also been papyri found, old scrolls and stuff. Uh, yeah, Elephantine papyri. <clears throat> yes, and the pap the papyri there indicates that animal sacrifices were happening on Elephantine Island. Okay. The Jews were, they don't just offer animal sacrifices out in the middle of nowhere. Right. They do it in reference to atonement. Yeah. And, and, and to the ark. And so if they replicated the temple and built it to spec, in their own mind, they're serving God. Wow. And, and uh, because that's where the ark is, uh, we're guessing, that's where the ark was. And uh, the this papyri even... Uh, refers to God, spoke of God literally dwelling on Elephantine Island. Wow. So which means if the ark was there, God that's was there. legitimate. Right. Okay, so this temple appears to be have, have been destroyed in 410 B.C. Okay, to the best that they've been able to date it. That's when, it, that's when this temple was destroyed. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Remember the Ethiopian legend? Yeah. Which took us way up into the 400s. Right. 470 was when they said that this this guy carried uh, the ark to Lake Tana. That's only 50 years after this 410 date. Was yeah. So the timing matches the ti- the timing of what happened on Elephantine Island matches with this Ethiopian legend. Right. Okay, so what happened was this: the legend states that this Ethiopian, um, that the, the Ill- illegitimate son of King Solomon and Queen of Sheba, we don't know if that really happened, <laughs> <laughs> but Queen of Sheba was an Ethiopian princess right, right. who came to visit Solomon. Sure. Okay, and there was 
Something going on something there. Something there. We don't know why, but... Um, he but, possibly was the baby daddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the legend is that this illegitimate son of Solomon and Sheba carried the ark from Elephantine down the Nile tributary to Tanos Kirkos, which is an island in Lake Tana. Okay. Okay, so this is where Bob Cornuke picked up the trail the the guy that right the the crime scene investigator guy, and he decides okay I'm going to go down there and I'm going to visit this this uh, Tanos Kirkos, and see what's going on. So he does. He goes down to Ethiopia. He he hops a boat onto Lake Tana. He hits this uh, this island, mm-hmm. which is inhabited in modern day by a very native tribe of uh, Messianic Christians. Really, they're they're, uh, but it's a tribe. They're very remote and they're very secretive. They're like they don't share, and and everyone wow. warned him, "Hey, you're not going to get anything out of these people. They're they're hush mouth. They're not going to tell you anything. Really? Uh, they don't trust anybody." And so anyway, he goes there and he hangs out with them for quite a while and he gains their trust. <clears throat> and he starts asking if he can look around and he starts talking about uh, Jewish worship practices and that sort of thing. And they indicate to him that there was a temple site on the island. And he's like, well, can I go look at it? Sure. So they go, he goes and he checks out this, this site and it was on a, a, a rock plateau and he begins to do his crime scene type of investigation and looking around the place and finds hidden under some growth and moss and whatnot, he finds post holes drilled into the stone, right? carved into the stone. And he's like, wow. And he starts measuring the post holes <laughs> And they fit exactly to the biblical re- account of how the tabernacle had to be laid out. So he's getting excited at this point because he's like, oh, I'm finding proof that there was at least a Jewish presence on this island. Right. And so uh, he tells the locals what he's found, and they get excited. And then they're like, well, hey, we got something we got to show you. And so one of their leaders goes into his tent, and he comes out with relics. And these relics are ancient Hebrew sacrificial implements. Uh, implements. Yeah, yeah, for like the, the meat fork and and these type of things. Wow. And they're they're like all wow. They're they're silver <laughs> and they're like all falling apart, you know, because they're so old. Right. But they're like, yes, this is this predates, you know. Does Jesus. he have pictures of that? And uh, I think so. I, there's all kinds of pictures in this book, but wow. I can't remember what all's in there and what's not. Uh, so anyway, then he starts quizzing them, getting them real excited. Right. Okay. Well, hey, I'm looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Did it? Was it here? And they tell him, yes, it was here, but. Uh, when the Ethiopian government became Christian, they took it. And so it's now located at Aksum uh, at a um, <clears throat> at a temple there or a, um, um, a chapel of St. Mary of Zion. So wow. he goes and investigates that and finds out that that place in Aksum is guarded like night and day, no one goes in it. Because the people that are, the Orthodox people that are running it, treat it just like the Jews would have. They, they treat it like the temple. There's a holy of holies. They won't let anybody in. Only the high priest goes in once a year. That whole thing. Really? Yeah, so... Well, but they're Christian. 
Yes, but they're messianic. They have this whole uh, Jewish okay. uh, practice going on. Right. Okay. And so, um, so anyway, hmm. uh, he gets an audience with one of the high priests who are not supposed to talk, but he finally gets one of them to share, saying, "Yes, I've seen the Ark of the Covenant. It's in there." Well, that's you know, it's secondhand witnesses, right, right? But right. but anyway, so he asked the guy, "Well, can you describe it to me? Tell me what it looks like." And you would think. If he was a charlatan, you would think he would describe basically what we saw in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sure, Star. which is what everybody describes. Yeah, it's what you'll see in the Bible dictionaries, too. Right. Okay, but that's not exactly what he describes. He describes it from a box standpoint, yeah. Mm-hmm. We just read the measurements. It's not much getting around that. Right. Uh, but it was the mercy seat that varies very differently than what... Um, than what the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark looks like. The, the picture that we always see is these two cherubim kneeling. Bow, bowing, like kneeling, kneeling yeah. uh, head-to-head right. with wings over their head touching in, exactly. the, in the middle, uh, which does kind of fit the description in the Bible. But sure. the Bible does say one thing when you were reading it there, that it was all carved out of one piece of gold, molded from one piece of gold. Right. Which it can be done. But it's harder if these cherubim are separate things. Right. Okay, so here's what he described and what he kind of sketched out. The cherubim are laying on the on the top of the mercy seat with one wing extended up behind each one of them. And so basically the mercy seat is shaped like a seat. It's shaped like a throne with the wings of these cherubim as the backrest to the to the to the throne, wow. which makes sense. It is called the mercy seat. Uh, so anyway, um, <laughs> the 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 capstone to this little story, this this, this it makes total sense though. It, it, so it looks just like a, a seat, a throne. Yeah, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. So the capstone to this story, <clears throat> or the the little theory, is that. At one point, he goes to a mixer there in Ethiopia. Yeah. I don't know how this this happened, but he ended up at this mixer with the president of, of Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Yeah. And he had a sh- chance to shake his hand and meet him. Sure. Well, as he was shaking his hand, he just thought he'd make this off-the-cuff comment. And he was like, yeah, I'm here because you all supposedly have the Ark of the Covenant here in <laughs> Ethiopia. And he said the president shook his hand, pulled him close, and in his ear said, no, sir. We have the Ark of the Covenant here in Ethiopia. <laughs> so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> wow. That's kind of the theory. There's all kinds of other things that are interesting to talk about here. Oh yeah. Um, just very briefly, the possible uh, future of the Ark of the Covenant can play if you read. Uh, certain end times prophecies. Right. Well, they have to start doing the sacrificial system again. Right. In right. In the temple. So, so you've got all this that that leads up to this. Right. Now here's one interesting theory that that this that ties into this. Why in the world in Acts chapter eight do we have an Ethiopian eunuch reading <laughs> the scroll, a scroll of of Isaiah, on his way apparently to Israel? Yeah. And we don't really get a lot of their conversation. All we really get is his conversion right. out of the deal. Uh, and the fact that he was reading this and not knowing what it meant. Sure. Okay, which makes sense. If these were Orthodox people, 
like if they were Jewish, right? They were practicing they, the. They Jewish. wouldn't have known the Messiah. They wouldn't have known uh, that Jesus had come. And so this got it, this got explained to him, and he ends up getting baptized on the road, and right. and blam, becoming Christian, um, which plays into a lot of the theories about why there are Christians in, in Axum yeah. in, in this in Ethiopia in that area. Um, it also begs this question of what was he doing. It is possible that he was reading Isaiah, which was about what? The Messiah coming. Yeah. That he was trying to figure out, is this the time to bring this special gift... The temple back. ...to the temple? Because there is a passage in, I believe it's in Isaiah, that talks about a gift from Cush that will come in this time. So, <laughs> wow. So you could imply that he was following up to see if it was time right. or not. Now, this is complete speculation. Sure. But there's all these little things that just keep kind of falling into place. I mean, it makes it makes sense. It does. Um I I was looking up to see some of the the other speculations beside Ethiopia, which I mean, yeah, that argument could be any. I mean, I, it could be. It, it really could. But that <laughs> argument, I mean, is pretty powerful. Um, and and even explains how it got lost to begin with, which is great. Yeah. Uh, so some of the some of the debunked ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 1922, King Tut's tomb is excavated. Uh-huh. They have a picture, and they see this little box, and they think, "Oh, it's the Ark of the Covenant." We finally found it. Yeah, but it, of course that's debunked. Yeah. A hidden room at the Cathedral of Our Lady of uh, Chair uh, Chartreuse. In France, <laughs> they thought it was there. Oh, naturally, yeah, right. it's in France. Yeah, of course. Um, they have uh, one of the 64 locations designated by the Dead Sea Scrolls. Have you ever heard of that? So hmm. along with the Dead Sea Scrolls was uh, these... The, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls are in Qumran. Right. Uh, along with the scrolls were... Um, a thing, <laughs> a scroll that contained 64 locations... Uh, containing treasures of gold and silver. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And out of one of those, it could have been, yeah, the Ark. Uh, held in South Africa by the Limba tribe, which they actually have a replica you can look up online, but it looks nothing. In South Africa? Yeah, okay. it looks nothing like the... Uh, <laughs> the uh, there's actually a, a, a tribe called the Limba tribe, which they are a they have some DNA that links them back to Israelites. Oh, so they Solomon claim, man, yeah, what were you doing? Seriously, um, <laughs> of course in Ethiopia. That's your that's your one uh, at the bottom of Lake Tiberias. There's a Muslim uh, belief and a Muslim prophecy that says that the the Ark of the Covenant is resting at the bottom of a lake and will be brought up whenever the Mahadi uh, will rule yeah. the earth. The, the Mahdi. The Mahdi. The, yes. Yeah. That it'll be brought That's back. That's their, uh, their Messiah. Right, the Mahdi. <coughs> there you go. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, we all know a government facility, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is the end of the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Or, or the, I mean, the, uh, the Raiders. The, of the yes, Ark. that's where it is. It's in the warehouse. Right, in the warehouse. <laughs> My favorite one, though, ever. Have you ever... Okay. I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes out there, but have you ever heard of... Uh, oh, what's his name? Not Kent Hovind. 
Ron Wyatt. Uh, yes, that's the guy who claims to have found it beneath Gordon's Calvary or whatever. Yes. yes. So here's his here's his idea. Yeah, that, that that's uh, he found a compelling cr- one. Yeah, he found a cross hole. Right. On God, what he what he calls Gordon's Calvary, which is Golgotha, right? Right. And he dug down beneath it, and he, then there he found the Ark of Covenant. And his whole, I'm going to say, whack a mole theory <laughs> is that the blood of Jesus actually poured down, fell down through, through the, the earth, cracks, through the cracks in the and earth, landed on and landed the on the mercy seat, seat, which is cool. Which That's, then that is cool freed us of our sins, which is clever. Um, but there's no. Well, here's what got me about that. He spent all this time going on about it. He saw it. Like, he excavated. He says, I saw it. Yes, he he saw it, but then somehow couldn't get back to it, couldn't take pictures of it. It was another one of those things like Mount Nebo. It's like some guy found it, but then it was like, oops, sorry, I I kind of (laughs) forgot. Yeah, like, how do you you not... How do you find it and then lose it like that? I mean, it right. doesn't make sense. It doesn't. And it's not like Gordon's Calvary is that big. Yeah. And <laughs> so anyways, there's, yeah, there's that whole theory, which cracked me up whenever I first read about it. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so that's... Uh, yeah. There's no telling. It's, there isn't. God knows. And it was and it was withheld from Scripture specifically for a reason. That's so, right. Um, Either it was withheld or we just didn't understand it. Yeah, we don't lay claim on having we don't. any knowledge. So if you have an idea, aliens took it, I don't know, let us know. Call in and uh, <laughs> aliens took it. Yeah, give us your own. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> All right. Actually, there is a theory that I didn't even mention that, uh, that some people believe angels. Angels came down and grabbed it? Just came and took it, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I can't remember the circumstance of, huh. of what was going on when that happened. <laughs> Of course, angels took it. All right. You want to do some news? Yes. And now, the news. I think we've exhausted that topic as well as as far as we can go. So have you heard about this whole Apple thing with the FBI? Definitely, yeah. Right? About them not uh, giving up um, or not writing. Creating a program. A program that will crack the security, encrypted security of the phone. Right. So for those of you who don't know, uh, one of the two shooters... uh, of the Muslim uh, shooting that happened in California, and I forget his name. It's not relevant. Anyways, he has a, he had an iPhone, and they want to crack it uh, and see if they can come up with any other uh, understandings of how uh, or why he did this or right. any aliases or anything like that or any accomplices. And uh, so they, they approached, the FBI approached Apple, and they asked them if they could build a program that would go back in and crack the code and Apple is refusing to do that. Um, and so the FBI has, is taking Apple to court, which is really interesting. Um, to force, to force them to engineer something. Right. So, uh, this is, uh, this is from relevant magazine. Apple will argue FBI's court order with first amendment. Apple is taking a first amendment approach to fighting off the FBI's court order to help agents unlock a killer, uh, killer's iPhone. Apple lawyers plan to argue that the judge who gave the order has overreached in her use of obscure law, violating the company's First Amendment rights. Theodore J. Barantras, one of the uh, Apple's lawyers, outlined the argument Apple plans to make this week in response to the court. Bartras said that the heart of Apple's defense will be their objection to the use of the All Writs Act 
uh, as the basis of the court's order for Apple's compliance with the FBI. The act states that the Supreme Court and all courts established by acts of Congress may issue all writs necessary or appropriate to aid in the respective uh, jurisdictions and agreement to the usage of necessary or appropriate and aid of the respective, I'm sorry, usage and principles of law. It is since it's essentially an all encompassing legal tool that allows judges to issue orders if other means or avenues are unavailable to them. So in other words, Apple's fighting this going, it's against, uh, you're, 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 you're infringing on our first amendment rights. Right. So, well, you, on, on the public's first amendment rights, right. Too, because, uh, the, the, the problem here is if code. they create it, then it can be used not just on this guy's phone. Right. That's the big thing. If Anybody it was, could break if it. If it was just saying, hey, can you get into this guy's phone? Like, just get into this one phone and let us, or whatever. But they have to write special code to break, th- because they don't know a lot right. of your data on your phone because of privacy. Sure, privacy issues. issues. So w- in order to do that, they would have to break that encryption. Right. Which then creates a hole that right. could be used if they give this to the government or whatever. <laughs> and you can play conspiracy theorists that, sure. you know, that the government wouldn't use it, but whatever. <laughs> but, so you uh, have the whole Batman, uh, Batman. What's, what's, which one was that? The Batman movie where oh, Batman where he's, uses he's hacking everybody's phone. Right. And, and exactly. Using, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. That was Batman. The Dark Knight. Uh, uh, this, it was the second return, one, whatever it was. Whatever <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the, the, the thing is, and this is just from me, my opinion as a software engineer, it's this, I I deal with this type of idiocy all the time. <laughs> okay. Because people do that. They'll be like, oh, hey, can you make this do blah, blah, blah? Well, yeah, <laughs> I can make it do that. But if I make it do that, do you do realize your server is going to crash? Right. Because it's going to do this, this, that, and the other. People like the people that are not techie, techie. They, they don't understand what their request m- means. Can have what the, the, implications, the implications of it. Yeah. yeah, they're only looking at one little solution. They're not right. looking at what the long term or what the bigger picture is. And that's exactly what is going on here. Right. The, they don't realize that if if Apple does this, it really does. Uh, one of the things that makes Apple a, a powerhouse in what they do is their level of, of scrutiny sure. and control. There's no viruses on, on iPhones. Right. Period. There's no malware. There's, and the reason why is because of this type of security. And, and they don't want people... Ju- you can't write an Apple program that will go on a phone, snag your personal information, and send it to someone overseas or whatever. Wow. I mean, you can't. there's nothing you can do to do that. So basically what we're saying here is everybody should buy an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Not an Apple sponsor. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, uh, <laughs> in other news, Terry Crews. Do you know who Terry Crews is? He's the big muscly bound guy. Yes. Old Spice commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as, uh, <laughs> yeah, as well as Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is one of my favorite shows <laughs> on TV right now. Andy Samberg. Right. And uh, he he was a former NFL player. Right. Um, he has come out in um, come out against pornography he's 
he's outspoken against pornography. Oh. Um, former NFL player, Brooklyn Nine-Nine star, The Muscle Man, is basically every mid-2000s movie. Terry Crews in, sorry, in basically every mid-2000s movie. Terry Crews recently released a video confessional on Facebook, opening up about his addiction to pornography. After years and years of being a porn addict, Crews hit a low point. This is him quoting, if day turns into night and you're still watching, said Cruz, you probably got a problem. For <laughs> Cruz, yeah, for Cruz, it was indeed a problem. The debilitating addiction forced him into rehab and nearly led to uh, to the end of his marriage. My problem with pornography is that it changes the way you think about people. People become objects. Yes. People become body parts, and things uh, and things to be used rather than people to be loved. You start to change the way you see people. You start to use people. He point his point is not unfounded in the least. A study by the Institute of the Study of Labor in Germany found that not only does the consumption of porn <laughs> Correlate with a uh, pronounced decline in percentage of young adult males who are married, but it might actually be contributing to the trend. And according to Psychology Today, while studies are showing that porn-free relationships are stronger with a lower rate of infidelity, the rate of people who believe porn doesn't negatively affect the watcher is alarming. Nearly 90% of men believe consumption of porn is acceptable, and just under 50% of women, women agree. But as Cruz experienced, the reality of porn in relationships is that it diminishes your view of people and deteriorates your ability to connect with them. Wow. Wow, that's a strong uh, look at that. Yeah. Um, Cruz has made his mission to to help people who find themselves in the midst of similar struggle. So that's really awesome that that, uh, that a spokesperson, you know, it's so rare today that we have a a person in the secular limelight that's actually going, yeah, there's something to this problem, and it's not a good thing. Pornography, time and time again, has been shown to ruin relationships, ruin families, ruin mental yeah. uh, mindsets, and and, and to perpetuate uh, slavery, sex slavery, slavery, sex slavery, <laughs> and, and you know, and all around just bad stuff. So. Um, thank you, Terry Cruz, and uh, we appreciate your your comments there. Um, awesome. Uh, let's see. A Syrian church negotiates release of 43 ISIS hostages. The last of the ISIS hostages have been released according uh, on a $1.5 million donation from Assyrian communities uh, gave to ISIS, and they released oh, cool. 43. So that's awesome. 43 more. Freed people. Yes. And uh, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, I have some Pope news. Oh, you do? Yeah. Come together. So that's such a great song. Pope Francis <laughs> scolds person who pulled him down in Mexico. <laughs> I saw I saw that. Did you see yeah. that? Go on YouTube and watch. It's pretty funny. He's like, yeah, I didn't hear any audio. He's like, it took it easy. I'm the Pope. <laughs> That's not what he says, but you know, you get the feeling. Basically, like he's shaking hands with the people I in Mexico. Am the baddest of them all. <laughs> And we come right back to Froggy Fresh. That's great. Uh, so he's, he's shaking you hands. Think with I people. don't get girls because I am not tall. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I got 400 houses. 400, 400 mouses. 
<laughs> so stupid. Anyway, so the puff, pope, pope, <laughs> the pope was greeting people in Mexico, uh, and uh, the, I mean, it was a gigantic stadium full of people, and everybody was willing to embrace him. And yeah. this guy from the back grabbed him and pulled him forward. He, he almost, got dunked on. Yeah, he almost lost his balance, fell forward. <laughs> he fell on a guy in a wheelchair, and that's what I think made him angry. He got poked on. Yeah, he got poked on. So the poor, <laughs> the poor pope. Uh, Why is James crying? <laughs> he got poked on. Fell down. All right, and today in church history. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you always love this part, don't you? I do. Get in the TARDIS. <laughs> you need to, like, cut this down a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. You, you gotta... <laughs> we gotta wait Of course, I can it. always fade out, you know. See, I didn't listen to that. That's nice. That's yeah. good. Today in church history, we lost 13 days. Oh, really? Yes. Missing time? October 4th became October 15th, according to a... Command by Pope Gregory. Oh, yeah. The resetting of the calendar. Yep. They reset the calendar from the Julian calendar to... So today was the Gregorian calendar. Today was the invention of the Gregorian calendar. That's right. Um, uh, Gregory the... 11, 12, 13th, Gregory the 13th, sorry, yeah. uh, was an energetic pope, long active in church affairs, and a patron of education. He was not one to let the matter continue indefinitely, the matter of continuing to lose days because the minutes were long in the Julian <laughs> calendar. He determined to correct the problem, and on this day, February 24th, 1582, acting on the recommendations of a special counsel, issued a bull, uh, which is a Yes. Edict, right? Requiring an animal. all Catholic countries to follow October 4th with October 15th that year. The uh, To illustrate <laughs> uh, illiterate people, it seemed as if the real days were being stolen from them. And they were like, hey, uh, give us back our days. What's the matter with the Pope? Uh, anyways. So, uh, you got poped on. <laughs> there you go. So this day, yeah, oh, that's was the invention cool. of our calendar. He missed the date, though. You know, he was shooting for Jesus' birthday. Right. You know, uh, zero, not being a zero is not a year. One, One AD yeah. being, being the, the first year. Yeah. And he missed it. By and how many years? Like six years or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. that Pope. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got, dude. I'm done. All right. Voicemail. Yes. Let's hear from him. Who you think you called? Um, let me guess. My boy Brennan. David. Jeremiah, <laughs> there he is. It is your boy Brendan from SCC. I'm going to try to be quick. Yeah, right. Try to remember that three-minute <laughs> deadline on these voicemails. I enjoyed the conversation on Joshua. Very informative. And and personally, I thought very interesting, especially the whole uh, the Mars uh, aspect of the conversation. <laughs> And yes, David, you have piqued my interest the same as Jeremiah's. Well, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to back up into a driveway. Hold on. It, it's Sunday night, and I just finished watching wrestling with a friend, and I'm getting home wrestling. at a late hour. Who won? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Also, oh, Christian Christian using cuss words. Ah. You know, I'm I'm like I'm like you, David, uh, I, and I know Michael's. Michael's likeness too. We don't use them in public, but whenever you slam a hammer on your thumb, something's gonna slip out, and I'm sorry. <laughs> the thing is, though, and I and I hate to use this because a lot of people use it for the wrong things, but you do have to keep the weaker brother in mind, as Paul urges the Corinthians 
uh, you know, if, if you cussing is going to cause someone else to stumble, then you shouldn't do it. So that, that's what I try to keep in mind. Am I going to go see Deadpool? No. Am I going to try to stop anybody else from going to go see it? No. I've, I've heard about everything that's in it, and for me personally, uh, that's just not the kind of things I want to see right now. So I'm, I'm just going to skip over it. I would much rather watch Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, which Amen. I already did, which is a fantastic movie. You both <laughs> will enjoy it. Thank you for the episode. Hashtag BLT out. <laughs> Hashtag BLT out. <laughs> Dude, thank you, uh, Brendan, for your for your comments, and I hope uh, your favorite wrestler won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hopefully you weren't cussing at the screen. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Hot dog, wouldn't you know it? I forgot something. Uh, this upcoming election, who are you going to vote for? I don't know. But I can't help but think of Charles Spurgeon's words of choosing evils. Choose neither. I don't know. Just toss them out there. Okay, well, hashtag for real this time. BLT out. <laughs> so, so Brendan's wanting to know who we're going to vote for. Who am I voting for? Bernie. Feel the burn. <laughs> That's not true, actually. Uh, is there a libertarian <clears throat> candidate? Because if there's a libertarian candidate, I'll vote for that. That's about all I got. Yeah. I really don't have a... I don't have a dog in this I'm, I'm kind of the same same way as, as we always get stuck with this lesser of two evils type of thing. Yeah. And, and I'm tired of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, come on, guys. Is there not a decent candidate that we can... The Pope. You know, and <laughs> and I guess, you know, I did the whole, um, what do you call that? That that online, I'm with it or yeah. I'm with whatever, uh, dot com. <laughs> Or what it is, I side with. That's what it is. Hillary. Did and, you side well, with no, Hillary? and all they do is they go over the topics, right? And you just answer the questions. How would? What's your opinion about this? This, this right. and this, and it tells you who you side with, uh, based on those. Don't who, tell me you because side with. because these guys had the same quiz, right? Okay? So it was like uh, based on your answers, you aligned with what these candidates' answers were. That's brilliant. And um, and no, I was like Marco Rubio was the, Rubio. <laughs> was the one I sided with the most, uh, and then Ted Cruz, I think. Uh, and then Trump. But, you know, the thing about Trump is I don't know if I trust that his answers on the quiz are genuine. That's, They're not genuine. <laughs> right. Go 10 years ago, and the guy was a bleeding Democrat, and now he's a Republican, and he's running on this platform. I listened, okay, so I listened to his last night that they he won Nevada, right, yeah, in the yeah. caucus, caucus. And... uh and I listened to his winning speech. He's like, we got the evangelicals. We got the learned folks. We got the unlearned <laughs> folks. And I'm like, I they're all. The baddest exactly, of them all. That's his thought. I'm like, they're all unlearned if they're voting for you, Trump. You don't get it. it that I'm sorry, but I'm going to go off on a political tangent on Theonauts. <laughs> if you don't agree with me, I totally understand and love you. Yeah. And there's visit, no. Visit Jeremiah on Facebook. That's let right. Him know. Exactly. But I, but I will tell you this. If Donald Trump gets elected, go rent the movie Idiocracy and watch it because that's your future. I'm just telling you right now. But anyways, that's drop the mic or out on that one. Yeah, yeah. Don't drop my mic. I'm paying oh, good money. Sorry, for sorry. So. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah, seriously. Oops, that's not what I'm interested. <laughs> no, we have no time today. for. It.
The old trivia. <laughs> the button's right below my Battlestar Galactica. I understand. Whatever. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission That's Network. We are. And I need to update this. Yes, you do. <clears throat> Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. That's what we do. To find out more, to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. That's our address. Yes, it is. Go ahead. That's... Okay. There are several ways to comment to us and leave us Facebook <laughs> feedback. Send us email to theodots at gctnetwork.com. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Yes, thanks a lot, David. <laughs> we need a Trump outro. This has been Theonauts <laughs> work on that. I'll work on that. Questions <laughs> or comments at 972-885-7270. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. This is your Great Commission Transmission.